So welcome to part two of our wrap-up of 2018 on The Swamp. Yeah, look, it's great to be back on air, Russ. Um, that was really cool um, uh, connecting again on, on part one, and I know that um, we're in for a treat today. I think so. This point, I'm going to say, um, I'll put it on later. The, the name of the director and the actors, because I can't remember them. But yeah, yeah. So I sound authoritative, you know. Yeah, instead yeah, of yeah. I don't have a fucking clue, mate. <laughs> but, uh, I don't care. I'm, I'm a yeah, professional but, thickhead. Uh, I'm feeling swamped. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're all feeling swamped these no, that, days. That, 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 and uh, you know, I was kind of swamped this whole year in terms of pop culture and books, especially books, I guess. Music, film, what were the good ones, what were the crap ones? Well, you know, um, I'm going to give you the lowdown. Uh, let's start with uh, music. I uh, would definitely have to nominate of all the albums I heard, and there weren't that many. I can't put myself up as a, as a, a great authority on, on music these days and what came out. You leave that to you know, professional DJs or even your non-professional DJs who are out there giving you their end of the list who listen to every bloody song that came, every album, and actually knows, know, know what they're talking about. I'm not that guy, right? I'm, uh, I'm just a dilettante when it comes at these days. I used to be that guy, but I'm not anymore. Um, this is Russ talking, in case you were wondering. Really is fiddling around with some electric, electronics. He's about to get himself electrocuted, by the way, <laughs> so you know. Um, so my nomination for the best album, there's two of them that really stand out. Uh, one is um, local boy Broderick Smith. He brought out an album, believe it or not, Man Out of Time. And in honour of that, I'm wearing my Dingo's T-shirt, by the way. Did you Which looks that? fabulous, Russ. Thank it you. absolutely looks fabulous. Which I bought at the, the last, one of the last Dingo's gigs a couple of years back. Um, yeah, and Brod was in the Dingo's, that band who did that song Way Out West. Might be a reference for you if you've seen the film Red Dingo or Red Red, Red yeah, Dog. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Um, I mean, it's like such an iconic it song. Is. But um, but he's I, the I, voice of that yeah, song. Yeah, but um, yeah, really, Snow Snowblind Moon is um, yeah, probably my favourite uh, Dingo's oh. track. Yeah, yeah, I really love that track. It's not really. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's yeah. the one you mean because that's not a Dingo's track. That's a that's, that's a broad, that's a broad uh, solo track. Right. Uh, okay. No, no, it's um, it's um, the big combo. No. No, no, I think it's a solo one. Um, it's, yeah. I know, it's probably the song that I've put on one of those compilations, yes. but that's not a well-known one of his. Yeah, but it's still a great song. <laughs> All right, so, you know, good, yeah. good on you. But anyway, yeah. so Broad brought, brought this album, not only has he brought this album out, there's also a book. He's, he's written an autobiography, which I haven't got yet, but... Uh, it's coming. Yeah, but anyway, it's a great album. It's very, very laid back, very subtle. I really enjoy the subtlety of the music. And the arrangements, and there's a one song in here that's really, I mean, it's a song I play now. It's when the minstrel passes. Uh, I think it's a song that Rod's talking about. The possibilities we were talking before about that minstrel, Mr. Bob Dylan, passing, and what that means for all of us. So uh, let's have a listen to it now. When the minstrel passes Will we let him go? Will we cover him in flowers? Will tears of sorrow flow? Will we praise him to the heavens? Will we give him his reward? Or will a shining cliches Have us fall upon our sword? Gods will raise their glasses when the minstrel passes. 
imitators Blindly grope around For words like empty tailings Scattered on the ground When we circle in confusion As we confront the night And confess to what we've stolen From this thief of beauty's light Rod Smith, um, when the minstrel passes, that was pretty catchy, wasn't it? Really, it was very catchy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the albums where we go into some albums that were released this year that I, I either heard or, or I missed that I thought you know were worth um, reminding people. This is yeah. my own personal list. Um, there's an interesting band called First Aid Kit. You ever heard of them? No. They're um, Swedish duo, female duo. Um, they're inspired a lot by the band Fleet Foxes, who you'd be aware of. Oh, right, of. so with that sound effect, yeah, in mm. fact, Fleet Foxes, I think, might be coming out next year again. But, yeah, um, that's those, exactly yeah, right. Yeah, Look yeah. out for them, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but their, their sound actually reminds me of um, that, that lady, Lana Del Rey. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like a country version of her in some ways as well. They're, they're an interesting band. They brought an album called Ruins. Um, now, this... Um, uh, this was a surprising album, a surprising a person to release an album, a lady called Dita Von Tees, who's actually a, a burlesque performer. Right. Um, and she's very famous in the United States as, um, just, um, as a model, I guess you'd say, and she's released a number of books about the art of tees, and she's just a real um, fringe kind of person who, um, who does all these projects. And clearly she brought out an album, you know. I think she's a singer now, and that, that kind of caught my eye. I would like, would like to have a listen to that. So I guess it's along the lines of the only person I can think of who done something like that is Scarlett Johansson, who brought out an album a few years back, um, by, mostly of uh, Tom Waits' songs. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, um, that was a pretty interesting album, actually. Um, 
Um, we love you, Scarlett. Yeah, we do love Scarlett. A bit of Scarlett. Um, I'm going to talk a bit more about her when I talk about films coming up, by the way. So, anyway, getting on from there. Jack White brought an album out from the White Stripes. Um, I have to be confused with um, you know, School of Rock because that was definitely Jack Black. That's yeah. Jack Black. Yeah. And Guided by Voices, a, a really fabulous indie band that I like, brought out an album. I'll have to check them out. So, just so you know, in case you didn't know, Manic Street Preachers as well, another one of my favourite bands, Welsh band, brought out an album called Resistance is Futile. wonder where they got that from, do you think? I have no idea. Where would you get that? Resistance where, is Futile? Yeah, yeah, are they Star Trek fans, yeah, perhaps? Yeah. But I don't think that's the kind of resistance they mean, more political. They are pretty... One of the things I love about them is they're quite political, very yeah. leftist in their stance. So Arctic Monkeys brought out an album. It's always worth checking out. Tranquility Basin, they're coming out. Another band coming out yep. next year yep. um, here in Australia. Absolutely. Courtney Barton Barnett, Australian gal, but an album. You probably heard it already. You probably enjoyed. If you have, good on you. You've got good taste. Um, Eminem brought an album. Eminem is actually, I think, an interesting rap artist. Have you heard much of his? Uh, no, I, my my daughter uh, certainly has a, a few tracks. I, yeah. I still can't sort of um, just uh, yeah. overcome the the, the 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 rap bridge. It just yep, doesn't do that's it for me. But, but certainly recognise him as um, yeah, um, you know, up there in the pantheon of um, yeah. of, of great rappers. You know, yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah. Definitely worth yeah. a listen. The album's called Kamikaze. Yeah. Now, two biggies brought out album. Yeah, Mr. Pa- McCartney. Paul and Paul. Yeah. The two Pauls. The yeah, two Paul Pauls. McCartney yeah. and yeah. Paul Simon. McCartney, we, we we had playing live this year, and I missed yeah. him. I, I yeah, tried to buy tickets. tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Twice I tried to get them, and, and um, they were sold out each and time. There's a pretty good chance we probably won't be saying personally goodbye to Paul. But, I'll never um, get a chance yeah. to say I saw a Beatle, yeah. I think, unless but Ringo he, does it. Yeah, on the other hand, but Paul's still looking young enough that I'd be surprised if he was a candidate not to be around next year. I'd be surprised. Yeah, he's he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's aging quite well, yeah. yeah. Making up for the other two who died so young. Yeah. Good on you, Paul. And Paul Simon brought out an album, yeah. um, which I, I think I heard somewhere he say that he this was he, he saw this as his last album, that he wasn't going to do another right, one, I for, think. Okay, because, yeah, he'd, he'd be sitting like in late 70s now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, early 80s. So, yeah, but um, but we love your stuff, Paul. Yeah, we yeah, do. We um, another one whose stuff I love is, is Anne Wilson, who was a singer behind that band Heart. Yeah. Fabulous voice. She brought a solo album. Yeah, right. Immortal. Okay. Which is an album I would definitely want to have check out at some point. Um, yeah. And that's pretty much my albums that I, that came out this year that, that really caught my eye in my own personal taste. Um, some of my favourite artists had been bringing out albums this year, Teenage Fan Club, Golf Rap, etc. But Yeah. Um, but they did. Um, the, there were a couple of interesting singles. Um, that's, we could talk a lot about singles because that's what people listen to these days, isn't it? Just one songs. Um, yeah. There's so many of them that you get swamped. But um, a couple that really stood out for me, listening in a car one day, I heard this band called The Golden's. The Gold Street Sound, an Australian soul band, did a song called Only Lonely. I really thought it was fabulous. The female singer sounded like a cross between, um, I don't know, Frida Payne and Aretha, perhaps, yeah, which is a pretty good recommendation. Yeah. Um, so they were great. Um, one little discovery. And another one is a band that I actually saw this year, a band called Mammal, Australian heavy metal band. Um, I saw really in relation to my activities at, with the Victorian Socialists, we actually had some free tickets to see them. Yeah, right. And in fact, I, when I was there, I stood there with my t-shirt, my big socialist t-shirt, and the singer came up to me, saw me with my t-shirt, and gave me a big hug oh, cool. before we went on cool, stage. Cool. <laughs> yeah, because he was so chuffed to see us there. Yeah. Um, and they had a song. Well, they had a couple of songs. I think they're releasing an album this next year. But they had a couple of songs. One called "Virtue Signaling," which I downloaded and I thought was fabulous. Um, so my my other album is definitely 
Casey Musgrave. Uh, Musgrave's an uh, American singer, songwriter. Country music, I guess, would be her, her the genre that she works in. She's a very interesting um, uh, woman. She's actually a little bit on the outer in the country music scene in the United States because some of her songs are a bit sort of um, left of field. She's got a song called um, "Follow My Arrow," "Follow Your Arrow," which is a fabulous song. But but basically, she um, you know she talks about you know people following their own, doing their own thing, and if you're a woman. Go out and kiss women if you want to kiss women, and uh, you know, just go do on, your thing. Have some, have some marrow, have have a joint, and and, and relax. And uh, so that hasn't really caught on very well with the conservative establishment in the United States. But her most recent album, Golden Mile, um, released this album this year, and I believe it actually Golden won a hour. Golden Hour. Sorry, yep, I stand corrected. Yeah. Um, I believe it won a Grammy this year. Wow! And one of the reasons it's called Golden is because he comes from. Uh, uh, a place called Golden in oh, Texas. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I know because I thought I was thinking more like so the, yeah, the Golden Gate or Golden California, but no, she's a Texan girl. Yeah, Texan girl. Um, a fabulous album, this great voice, um, great songs. In fact, one of the things I love about this album, a couple of the songs could easily work as soundtracks for a film based on my second novel. Yeah. I just identify them. There's a song here called uh, Oh What a World and another one called Space Cowboy. In fact, I have a character in my book who is a space cowboy and uh, I make that connection with him and it's really inspired me to, to finish it, basically. Um, yeah. So definitely one of the projects for 2019. Definitely yeah. a project for 2019. Finish the bloody second novel, yeah. Mr. Yeah. Forden. Do, do it now. And, and, be in, and, and be inspired by Casey Musgrave. Listen to the album all the time to get you into the mood yeah. is what I'm thinking. And yeah. with that in mind, let's have a listen to one of those songs, Oh, What a World. Beautiful. It's hard to believe Oh, what a world I don't want to leave It's hard to believe Northern lights In our skies Plants that grow in Open your
Um, so those were pretty much my picks of music for the year. Can you think of any really? No, look, wanna, I was going to pick up on, on what, yeah, I was going to pick up yeah. on what you were saying about singles. Yeah. That, um, it, yeah, it's very much the way that I guess we're listening to music now. But we we're talking a little bit off off air that um, I've actually had a, uh, a a lot of music on this year because I've had you know time with all my travels and stuff. But um, um, have actually sort of uh, you know put my own iPod away and 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 sort of stopped listening to to. Yeah, the never-ending collection of um, of stuff I've accumulated over the years, and I've really just sort of gone in this sort of very eclectic thing mm. of um, I, I will just listen to what's on. So um, I sort of um, yeah, ba- basically I've got things on PBS, which I've got to say, having spent much more time on radio PBS this year, um, the depth and breadth of the, um, the the music genres they cover is just fantastic. So I've been mm. um, yeah. so I highly recommend that as a um, in support of public radio and just just a fantastic station. Um, and then sort of almost in a similar vein, if I'm not listening to them because if I'm out of Melbourne and sort of get you know, a bit out of reach, um, is usually I'll, I'll just be um, listening to, um, you know, basically what um, what comes up in my Spotify feed. And, mm. um, and it's been interesting to see the algorithm sort of change over time because my hunch is that yeah. um, it's probably sort of preset that it takes an initial sort of take of the albums that you've downloaded or chosen or listened to or whatever and comes up with new things that are um, by, by new as in music that you've not listened to it might even be old music but things that they it thinks that it's called a discover weekly so i think the name mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. um the thing that i get yeah um and i'm invariably um, mesmerized by it yeah. I'll, I'll be driving along sort of my own thoughts and some you know something will just um I, it, it catches my ear and i'm yeah. like oh gee that's an interesting sound and you so, can't name any names no i mean because um you yeah i mean the trouble about obviously listening to music and driving is it's very hard to then read anything even even yeah. on my uh, little satellite oh, screen yeah, so yeah, yeah. um I'm forever going like I wonder what that was, but um, but get moving beyond that is um, in a more interesting way is um, and that'll be interesting as that goes forth whether more and more people are sort of listening to music in this kind of more almost anonymous sense and just sort of enjoying music without it being mm. unless they're really keen um, being particularly that that concerned about mm. who it is or yeah. who's playing or whatever that may be good or bad going down the track for music artists, yeah, but, yeah. but more of us are probably going to be, you know, my sense is consuming music in that way. Yeah, it's know. almost like an ambient thing, isn't it? Like yeah. it's an environmental thing, you yeah, know, like absolutely. Brian Eno, you yeah. know, who's quite a visionary yeah. in that way, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now, um, now we've got a platform that will do what Brian, Brian yeah. Eno would have liked yeah. to have done. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, but, you know, but, but you've been um, listening to a lot of podcasts and a lot of um, yeah. e-books too, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, so um, uh, and audio books, I mean, I can just highly recommend. Yeah. I mean, I, I was sort of leaving that for when we got onto sort of books a bit. But, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll but, get um, to that, yeah. But, but actually listening-wise, I mean, so even the nature of what do we listen to, music is in there but in a different way. Mm. And um, so, yeah, so all of that's changing our listening sensibilities so um so yeah so it's been interesting year of discovery on my discovery channel yeah
does this feel like a segue, really? Um, we're going from music to books. You were just talking about books, so well, I'm, I'm calling that a segue. Yeah, I'm going well, yeah, to call I mean, I'd almost start with where we left off the, the you know the previous segment that. Um, you know, that's the point. It's, um, yeah, without, uh, at the risk of saying too much of a yeah. modern-day um, yeah, marketing guru, but yeah. but it's about content. And so even, um, you know, that, that, that we're both talking about a mm. book, but I, I actually both, I listen to it as a um, uh, as an audio book. You've been reading. Mm. Um, yep. I'm uh, reading the hard copy. I'm a hard copy um, guy, yeah. And, and I've got an e-book version online. And, mm. um, I mean, uh, and that's sort of interesting because probably I would say 80 or 90% of what I read now is is online mm. so i've been having a fa- so in fact i don't really have a best book um for uh, 2018 but i've got certainly um um you know maybe my my most favorite writer or best articles yeah. uh, for yeah. 2018 that um uh, or, or on, on on the medium platform that i um now mm-hmm. regularly visit or long reads and um okay. have actually been even uh, p- putting some of those onto my, my the various websites that we run as um, links, as links and yep. stuff to them, and um, and but even as direct articles, and then you just obviously credit the um, the author. Mm. Uh, the one thing I can say is that um, so so my favourite um, uh, writer award this year goes to a chap called Umer Huck, and ah. he's a regular contributor um, on Medium, um, yeah. and so uh, he's got his own uh, website oh, yeah. that's called uh, Eudemonics, and um, uh, and uh, spends a bit of time writing that Eudemonics is basically the art of realising genuinely good lives. Mm. Um, and that's much of his scene, but but so as it tastes like, I mean, th- there's an article that I actually um, put up on Facebook called um, "Why Americans Struggle to Understand Social Democracy," um, and it was fabulous. I mean, it's um, uh, it, it's just it, I, I guess it's always just uh, interesting to me when I'm reading um, um, the, anyone sort of describing American culture that's that um, uh, is outside the mainstream, and we we're, this constant reminder that uh, America is. Not, you know, not what we see on the nightly use or or Donald or whatever alone. Mm, yeah, there there are yeah. many Americas, and yeah, um, yeah. yeah, there are some you know, brilliant things and um, yeah, progressive things happening there as well. But mm. they don't usually get a Guernsey, and that colours the way we see things sometimes. Mm. So yeah, um, but not all good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, on along those lines, you know, in terms of non-fiction reading, um, one person who stands out for me, who was kind of a discovery, was um, Guy Standing, who. Uh, Willie is one of the main guys behind the whole universal basic income movement. Yeah. So um, he wrote a book about that, which I read. Um, he's part of um, BN, B-I-E-N, uh, the Basic Income Earth Network. He right. founded, I think, in the 1980s. Um, and just reading, uh, getting a real in-depth view on basic income and the history of it was really interesting. So he's definitely a recommendation for me. Guy Standing, you can't miss that name. Yeah, yeah. Think absolutely. of a guy standing and, and that's who he is. Guy standing, running. Talking, puking, sorry. Yeah, in fact, it. I think didn't we um, do a little segment on one of our podcasts um, mm, this year? I, no, yeah, when, I'm not you, sure. Yeah, I've got a feeling that if we go back through okay, the Okay, well, you're that, sort of yeah. stealing my thunder. Yeah, I, I thought this yeah. was new, but anyway, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. So in terms but of the it was year, great. <laughs> in terms of the year, yeah, yeah uh, that was definitely one for me. Um, we haven't really talked about fiction, but, uh, well, actually, I mean, I guess if we're looking at books that were released this year, um, I couldn't really say much. I mean, I, I went to. Good old Goodreads, the Goodreads site, to get an, a, a background on, on what were listed as some of you know the big books of the year. And it's pretty much always what I find the same, the same old suspects you get 
Stephen King, you, you know, you get all the same people, you know, bringing out books, another year, another another novel knocked over and on the bestseller list. So I'm getting a bit cynical about all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Same names keep cropping up, and so I'm getting a bit over it. So for me, I guess my, my there was only really one book this year that, that came out this year that, that, that I'd nominate, and simply Kate Bush's um, collection of lyrics called How to Be Invisible. That would be, for me, the book. Um, right. it was, I received it as a Christmas present, by the way. Um, but I did ask specifically for it, so it was kind of, um, okay, what, what book do you want? Here's the money, go and buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's basically, if you're a Kate Bush fan, you know, it's always a, an event when anything that Kate comes out with, a, a film or, or it's a, an album or a concert. Um, in this case, it's a book that, that's made up of her lyrics. It's not a complete lyrics, by the way. It's um, selective. Um, not many of the earlier um, albums are represented in it. She seemed to, I guess she's chosen what were her favourites or what she thinks is good. Obviously, Wuthering Heights is there and um, Man with a Child in His Eyes. Um, the song called Moving is there from the first album, first track, which is a favourite. You Crush the Lily in My Soul. Um, but a lot of the latest stuff, in fact, even some of the B-sides, which have never been collected as lyrics before, are, are available. You can actually get the lyrics to my favourite Kate Bush song there, Under the Ivy, which is yeah. the B-side to the Running Up That Hill single. Um, and it's just great to flick through and, and, and experience these these lyrics in a different format beyond the um, the music. Um, and and interestingly, she hasn't sort of formatted the the lyrics alphabetically. Her system seems to be more um, thematically. There's like clumps of lyrics together, five to ten lyrics in in one little clump, and another clump. And and there's some sort of system Kate's using. I'm not always sure what it is, but it, you've got to intuit it, and that's kind of part of the fun of the yeah, book. Yeah, I'm trying I guess. to work out what what is what was that? Yeah, what was the what's the connection between these lyrics? Um, you know, um, she's got lots of songs about sex, um, but they're not necessarily all, all together um, and love and, and all the rest of it. But it's interesting, so picking out the themes from from her lyrics and. Um, Anyway, it's just a nice book. My only my only criticism, I guess, is the book is very bare bones in terms of its presentation. It's a hardback, but there's no dust jacket. I know when I saw the book in, in the local Collins bookstore, I was almost going to get it, but but the only the fact that there wasn't a nice picture of Kate on the cover, you know, looking beautiful in a dust jacket, sort of maybe no, I'm not going to have it. I'm going to I'm put it down. I'm not going to have it. Then later on, I thought, okay, I'll get it for a Christmas present. I've just got to have it. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to have it. Yeah. Anyway, so that to me is, is the book. Um, the only one that I can really talk about that was released this year that I, I've actually read or I'm familiar with, um, I'll quickly go over some of the other actual novels that, um, or, or even some heart, some shut that door, some uh, non-fiction that I read that that were highlights for me. I actually tackled and, and conquered um, Tolstoy's Anna Karenina finally, yes, yes, which you, was quite you, an yeah, experience. Yeah, you were you were um, rereading Anna Karenina and, yeah. um, and the reasons for, for that. Yeah. yeah, well, that's right. Well, I first tried reading it a couple of years back and discovered there's not one book but two books and um, it confused me a bit and I got a bit dissatisfied with it a bit. So I put it aside and I decided to tackle it um, by splitting it into reading. It should be called Anna and Levin. I think I've mentioned this before yes. and um, so I read... Levin's story, and then I read Anna's story um, separately, and um, and I have a new appreciation of it. It's interesting. One interesting thing about it that a lot of people don't talk about is um, Anna and Levin as characters. They 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 appear early on at this ballroom scene, but they never really talk or meet. And it's only there's one chapter near the very end where we actually they meet. 
um, Anna arranges a meeting with Lev, and it's really, when I think back on it, it's quite a significant um, chapter because it's a chapter where, at this point, Anna's, who'd been having this relationship with Count Vronsky, she's starting to doubt her attractiveness to him. He seems to be losing interest, and she needs to feel validated by being attracted to other men, having other men being attracted to her. And so when she meets Lev and she flirts the hell out of him, well, out of the hell with him, But she knows that he's married, you know, he's a married man, but she's doing it just really because she needs the validation. And it's, it's yep. interesting to look at it from that point of view. From Levin's point of view, and, and that chapter is actually told from Levin's point of view, um, he's just been married to Kitty for a little while. He, he's, um, they've just had a child, and he's starting to question uh, the meaning of life, basically. He's feeling life is losing some of its meaning. Like Anna, he's a little bit suicidal. Yep. And, um, and the meeting with Anna basically... It rekindles something. It does. It yeah, rekindles yeah, something yeah. for him in, in, in his, the meaning of life for him by meeting her. And, and that's the significance of this meeting between the two of them um, that I was able to ponder after reading it that way. And what was that all about? Why did you do yeah. that? And that seemed to be why. And, and the rest of the book really um, explores that in an interesting way. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's always seen as one of the masterpieces of yeah. literature. And I've got to tell you now, I think it is. Yeah. It's an amazing yeah. book. You've got to get over the whole fact that it's two books, though. You know, yeah. you just got to get past that. You yeah, know, you can yeah. read it as two as the one book. You know, where the stories go overlap. Overlap, but, but yeah, you can yeah. read it separately if you want. It's possible to do it. I've done it. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, is it War and Peace that's on the menu for next? No, 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 it's not actually. Yeah. Um, I've got a copy of it, but yeah. um, a hardback copy. But um, I'm going to put it aside for a little while. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, you know, other books that I read. Another book that, that was one of my favourites this year was a book called Never Home by a, a writer called Laird Hunt. It's a book about uh, the American Civil War. It um, features a woman who calls us, who gets called, her name's Ash, but she gets called Gallant Ash. And, Gallant. and she, um, she leaves her husband um, because he's a bit frail. They, they both know that the Civil War, they, they, they want to participate, but he can't make it, but she makes it for him and she makes it as, as a male. She goes into the war as a male soldier. Everyone thinks she's a man. A man. Occasionally she, she sees a, a soldier and she realises, oops, that's not a man. And um, oh, they right. had this moment of in, uh, connect. The book was called Never Home, but it should have been called Gallant Ash because that's what she gets to be called from an early incident that happens where she basically sees this woman in a tree um, who, who dresses torn and she helps her down and gives her his, her coat. And then yep. they, they get, it's this, this becomes this um, legend of Gallant Ash. And there's even the song gets written and sung about it. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, I can't say much any more about it. But it was written, it was came out a couple of years back, so um, still a fairly recent book. But that was definitely a favourite. Another one, um, this book called um, Tampa, which was really controversial, I guess. It's yeah, by yeah. a lady called um, Alyssa Nutting, and it's called Tampa because it's set in um, the town of Tampa, Florida, and it's kind of a take on Nabokov's Lolita. It kind of takes it from the point of view of where instead of our Humbert Humbert character is actually a woman. In this case, she's um, a high school teacher, and she becomes a high school teacher because she has a thing for 14-year-old boys. Um, And so, and explores that. It's far more explicit than than Lolita ever was because it's a much more modern novel. Um, And that was a really interesting book. It played out really well, really interestingly, what happens to her um, and and her her kinky um, attraction to these 
I mean, she's basically a pedophile. Let's face it, she's a pedophile. But it's yeah. like it's like that whole um, South Park thing, you know, when when it's a woman who who's who's preying on the young. It's hot, yes, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's that yeah. silly double standard, I guess. But that was a really interesting book too. Um, yeah. But let's go away from America and go back to Britain. Uh, you can't get anything more Britain than a Jane Austen novel, right, can you? And so you're rereading. Um... Well, I wasn't. I'm not rereading. I, I, this is her last novel, unfinished novel, was called Sanderton. Um, and a um, number of people, different people, have actually had a go at finishing it, and I managed to get hold of one of these, um, simply called Sanderton by a lady, or Jane Austen and a lady, and I read that. That was a fabulous um, read. I'm a big Jane Austen fan anyway. a lot of, Not many people know, but actually um, her niece, I forget her name, but her, one of her nieces actually was the first person to have a go at um Finishing Sanderton, and, and um, so she wrote one too, which I'd love right. to read as well. Um, so that sort of feeds into my sort of Jane Austen sort of um, obsession. I actually picked up a, an, yet another sequel to Pride and Prejudice recently, um, The Diary of Mr. Darcy. Yes, yes, So yes, I'm, yes. I'm going to read that soon too. But um, that was a really enjoyable and memorable read, um, Sanderton. Not, a, not an easy book to get hold of, but there have been a bunch of different. Um, um, Attempts at, at finishing that book, and there's lot, I guess there's some sort of subgenre really of books that have, that have been unfinished by various people that other people have taken up and had a go at finishing. Yeah, um, so that's part of that. That was interesting. Um, uh, a couple of other books, I guess. Um, I'm a big fan of Jeanette Winterson. I read Written on the Body, yep. a fabulous author. Um, so I read her. Um, I love. Um, the TV show Firefly, we're starting to get uh, novelizations of um, the show and people writing new new uh, books in that series, the Joss Whedon series. Um, I read one called My Own Kind of Freedom by Stephen Brust. That was actually an e-book. Yep. Um, that was – it was like reading – it was like basically uh, experiencing another – a new episode of the show. And he got the, the tone, especially of the characters, right, so right. You know, it just felt like stepping back in their shoes again. It was – Great, yeah. um, you know, and I, I'm all for that. I, you know, I love all the extra books in the Star Wars things, stories, and and uh, Star Trek, all all the novelizations and Buffy, and I love like TV shows expand their their world, but with these different books and different authors um, yeah. doing their new takes on them, um, yeah. and it just lends itself to yeah. I mean, I love all those sites that you yeah. were showing me that we've talked about before, especially like with the Buffy series when we yeah. covered that a bit. But um, yeah, a whole lot of pieces that you had done and submitted to that site where you were um, yeah, you basically uh, um, yeah cast it's your a fan own fan fiction basically yeah, 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 which is great. You know, yeah, fan yeah. fiction is great, and yeah. I just love this whole thing. It's definitely a, a, a swamp. Um, I. You know, idea where you basically yeah. we participate in in this pop culture. Yeah, and not just sit consume. Back. And, yeah. We actually we get so inspired by it that we're actually creating. You know, and yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it's not just being entertained, not being informed. We actually uh, we're creating something within it, and I think yeah. it really it's fantastic. You know, being creative based on on what people have done and being inspired by. It. You know, that's that's the other other portal I guess we're going into here, inspiration, um, and I love that, um, um, and I'm, I like being part of that. My final book, I guess, would be a book called *A Dog's Life* that I, that I read. It's sort of a, I wouldn't call it a, a children's book, but called *The Dog's Life* by Anne M. Martin. A beautiful um, contribution to the literature of animals. Um, this one, basically, the story is seen from the point of view of this stray dog. 
and it's life. Um, um, and I really love the fact that it begins with the dog in a safe place. It, it's about at the end of its life. It's an old dog, and it's telling us that that it enjoys the warmth of the, the nearby fire that its mistress has has you know provided for it. And then it proceeds to go on and tell us about its life, where it, often it was not such a good life because it was a stray dog, and it was just a beautiful poetic yeah, yeah, yeah. book that um, really stuck in my mind. Um, it's hard to go past books, stories about animals. There's something about animals and what happened to them and the idea of their thoughts and, and what we imagine is going on inside their minds is something that's very touching. And uh, this was a really touching book, um, beautiful book. Um, I'll say it again, A Dog's Life by Anne M. Martin. That's one that I highly recommend. But that was pretty much um, some, of, some of the books that I read this year. I should also give a shout-out to the, the Mildred Klingerman book, which um, I received yeah, a copy of fantastic. from her um, grandson. Thanks yeah. for sending me a free copy. I, I actually read it, and I gave a review of that up on... Um, yeah. And for listening, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good on you. Um, much appreciated. And it really, Mildred Klingerman was one of those discoveries from me this year. Yeah, Absolutely, and some beautiful um, right. stories that, that you that, that, that we shared on that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I love the one that you, you had about the, um, yeah, the, the the minister with that portfolio. Yes, yes, yes. yeah, yeah. It was brilliant. I know it was, yeah. it, there was a bunch brilliant. of them like yeah. that. They were just yeah. as good, um, yeah. great stuff. So hopefully, there's going to be some more good stuff next year. Looking forward to it. But so whilst we're on our literary thing, I just wanted to finish maybe um, um, that where I, I would really enjoy just. Um, yeah, sh- sharing um, the, the, this particular article that, that put um, Umir Haq up on my oh, yeah. on, on my list, and um, um, so this is one that he'd released on 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 on, on Medium, um, and really just about you know basically why Americans don't understand um, uh, socialism. Um, <laughs> so I'll start. I chuckle every time I hear it, which is every day lately. Denmark isn't socialism. France isn't socialist. There's no socialism in Europe. So say American elites, pundits, columnists, usually men with earnest glasses. Have they been smoking too much capitalism? (laughs) They're reacting to the dire prospect of socialism like priests who just met the devil. Only the devil was busy saving souls from hell. They don't quite know what to do with that, how to process it. They don't even understand, funnily enough, just like those priests, whether or not to even call it the devil anymore. Hence, nothing socialism. Nope. How else to square the prospect of socialism rising among amongst young Americans, except by denying it exists? That's not the devil, that's just another cowboy. The devil, my friends, is the devil. Only maybe he was never the monster you thought. Let's dispel a few myths. Mm. Social democracy isn't the cartoonish Cold War caricature of socialism. That's it, hence why Americans don't understand it very well. America's weary, red scare caricature of socialism a bunch of bearded Marxist-Leninist intellectuals, all of whom look like Che Guevara in Beret, sipping coffee on the left bank, plotting the violent global overthrow of the bourgeoisie by the proletariat, debating abstruse theories of the means of production and the fraternity of labour, which will lead inevitably to global communist revolution under a single world government. If that's what you mean by socialism, in other words, ideas from the 1850s, spoken by men in the 1950s, it's true to say that social democracy isn't that, but it, it but is that is that what socialism really is at all? In any sense, this cartoon villain. Without socialism, life as you know it wouldn't exist. You already know socialism. Mm. Socialism is your favourite park, yep. your school library. Yep. It's the time you spend there. It's the people who work there. You like socialism. Socialism is your friend. Think about that in an opposite sense. 
Imagine we were back in 18th century London, Amsterdam or Paris. If we'd obeyed modern-day American economics, where would these cities have ended up? Without sewers or pipes or parks or avenues or squares or even gutters, probably. And yet Flint doesn't have potable drinking water. Mm. Do you see my point? American thought lives in a fantasy land. Socialism is the devil. And yet modern life, as we know, would cease to exist without it overnight. You'd be taking out a honey bucket every morning, not flushing a toilet. Mm. In that sense, you already know socialism intimately, and you've known it all your life. It isn't the bizarre Stalinesque, Leninist caricature of the Cold War. It's just everyday life. About feeling swamped. Can you handle it, Rui? Can you handle it? Films of 2018 on the swamp. Oh, yeah, and there were films too. What a year. There were films, yeah. There were, what, a, what a year, Russ. I know. It's amazing when you get those things like films come out, you know. We're so lucky to get them. That's right. But yeah. then again... Well, get... well, even Saudi Arabia has them now, apparently. So, so I hear. Yeah, I heard yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Where'd they yeah. come from? Yeah. yeah. They're really lucky they, they got the films. So, um, you know... Uh, it seems to be always about bloody superhero movies these days. It just seems like yeah, there's a whole there's so many yeah. of those damn things. Yep. Um, but having said that, I did see Avengers: Infinity War and was a bit um, underwhelmed. It's just I'm going to be a real cretin in now and tell you I just think there were way too many superheroes in that movie. They just it got a bit confusing. It got ridiculous. Whittle it down a bit, guys. You know, and give us an actual story. You know, instead of yeah. uh, a, a film about a whole bunch of different characters. Um, you know, we don't need any more of that. And I don't know where and how they're going with this this um, franchise from this point on, but um, yeah, hopefully they're going to pair it back or I don't know. We'll see. Um, but and but on the other hand, the Black Panther film was pretty damn good. I thought. Yeah, I know that we did that. We reviewed that yeah. in, in an episode this year, and that yeah. you were really impressed. With, yeah, with that I would film. definitely put that yeah. as a, a film up yeah. there um, for sure. Uh, yeah. Very interesting take on, on, you know, on black politics, I guess you could say. Um, You know, so I definitely thought that was a good one. Um, The the latest Star Wars movie, the uh, one about Han Solo, um, you know, I I thought it was okay. You know, um, I was always going to enjoy it as as a time time waster. And it feeds into what I was saying before about that, that whole universe of, you know, the swampy universe where franchises are building and building, people are writing novels based on... So sequels, you know, um, you know, as long as they're well done, you know, I don't have a problem with them. Yep. Um, and I'm not one of those rabid sort of um, opinionated fanboys who's, you know, got to criticise everything that comes out, you know, and yep. be Mr. Opinionated about it. You know, I just yeah, like just being in the world. Yeah, I just like yeah. being in the world. I like the characters. Yep. I'll just sit back, and you know, enjoy and just it enjoy it. it. Yep. And that's kind of yep. how, how I took that. Yeah. Um, yeah, just immerse yourself in it. You yeah. know, so Solo was okay. But, uh, you know, for me, the, the film of the year was definitely um, Isle of the Dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, um, I, 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 uh, from a cinematic point of view, I mean, mm. the, the, the film I, I got the biggest buzz out of, which we'll talk about, is yeah, definitely uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, but um, for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. But but um, in a cinematic uh, yeah. sense, I, I, that, that was just mesmerising mm. the... Um, 
the inventiveness of it, the, um, the, the story, the telling of the mm. story, the themes that it's uh, chosen, the, 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 um, the, the type of animation that's used, just, yeah, mm. fabulous, absolutely yeah. fabulous. Um, yeah, well, this is a film that was made, the director who made um, Fantastic Mr. Fox, yeah. in case you want yeah. His name is... Isle of Dogs, sorry, it was a Wes Anderson film. Wes Anderson, Anderson. okay, thank yeah. you. So yeah. by Wes yeah. Anderson. So that was that film... Um, and this this was one that had good old Scarlett Johansson doing a voice part, playing a very cute dog. Um, and I, I, I suspected actually that they actually did use Scarlett to to to, bring, to create the dog. In some ways, they, I mean, you wouldn't want to say this is a Scarlett looks like a dog or at all, but um, they managed to make the dog seem Scarletty somehow. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I, I'm definitely sure that they 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 used her her. Um, her voice, they filmed her voice performance and they probably used it somehow. Um, I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah, how, how they actually interspose that in there. Yeah, but, um... but you know, it's a fabulous story, really quirky, fabulous animation and uh, highly recommended. Um, the, the, the live action Scarlet film was uh, The Ghost in the Shell that came out uh, this year. I was a little bit um, not so impressed with that one. I don't know. It's just um, I recently saw the actually the original um, Japanese anime film, in it, which was much better. I don't know. It's some, maybe it's one of those films that I need to see again uh, to fully appreciate it. But um, uh, it seemed a bit overwrought, um, and and I guess I was a, a bit. I thought it was interesting the whole controversy about there was criticism about Scarlett Johansson taking that role, and some people saying it should have been a Japanese actress. The, the player, but having seen the um, the Japanese anime, I mean, when you look at Jan- Japanese anime films, I mean, they have this convention where characters don't look particularly Japanese anyway. You know, yes, they're more yes, round-eyed. Yeah, it's yeah. like, so what's the controversy see, there? You know, uh, it's, it's silly. Yeah, maybe a bit of political correctness and stuff around that yeah. whole sort of issue. I, I think yeah. I even read somewhere that there was some thought about maybe. Um, digitizing Scarlet so oh. that she she would look more Japanese. And that would be so much, so much, so much better, so much more um, genuine. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, yeah. could have could have been done. You know, sillier things have been done in the name of cinema, I suppose. But um, yeah. but yeah, it's a film I will watch again and maybe give an updated review later. Uh, perhaps maybe I didn't give it a good enough chance first time around. But um, another one of these big budget blockbuster things, the the Steven Spielberg film Ready Player One. Uh, I didn't mind. Um, based on a on a novel, um, a science fiction novel, uh, I guess a juvenile novel, um, that was pretty interesting. I thought, uh, and yet another um, exploration of cyberspace and and what it means in the future. And uh, you know, some very impressive uh, special effects and um, Steven Spielberg doing what he does. Um, but beyond that, I mean, it wasn't that memorable a film. Thus, it's not really in my my. My my upper echelons of favourite films this year, uh, a film that may have been if I actually got a chance to see it was Mortal Engines. I talked about it in an earlier podcast. I was looking forward to it, but I missed out because um, for some reason here in Australia it got a very short run. Yeah, um, I mean it, it was like a blip really. That's, it was a, uh, yeah, for a holiday film like I think there's only one one cinema chain village that's showing yeah, it still yeah, at the moment. So. Yeah, and it was shown early on yeah. this month, and it's already been and gone as far as I yeah. know. Um, so I missed the boat. I'll have to wait for the DVD, I guess. But um, I think I will enjoy it. Um, I read the book, um, and it's from a good pedigree. It's from the you know the um, Peter Jackson stable of filmmaking. The, the the director is Christian Rivers, um, and it's a steampunk 
uh, film, and I think there should be more of them. I, I want to see more steampunk films. I want to see bring more, on the more, steampunk. More more um, airships. I want to see more um, goggles, and I want to see more steampunk babes in leather and uh, all the rest of it. You know, that, you know what I'm talking about. That's what I want. I want more steampunk. So give it to me. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. We haven't talked about Bohemian Rhapsody. Do you want to have a shot? Yeah, well, um, no, I just wanted to say that I, I think we both had, we, we both um, had talked again in a couple of episodes this year about that that was in the pipeline and coming out, and we had a bit of trepidation and had seen some of the early um, little you know, shots and, and trailers at, at, at different films. I thought, yep. oh, you know, because it would be such an easy film to, um, what's the best word, you know, fuck it up, basically. Um, uh, and I've I've got to say that um, I was fortunate enough to go and see it at, at the extreme Hoyt's extreme screen in uh, <laughs> Eastland Ringwood, and um, was I happy that I did that because I, I sat in this amazingly comfortable um, surround sound cinema, and it the film just captured um, um, I think Queen and obviously you know Freddie um, beautifully I thought um, a fabulous performance by the by the lead um, I've forgotten the lead actor's name but um, um, just just really captures. Um, uh, and I, I think Captain Freddie even sort of warts and all a bit. I think that mm. um, the mm. film was happy to do that to, to show some of his frailties and mm. um, uh, you, you, you know really well. Of course, you know how, how truthful is it to to his biography? Did it get close? I, I don't know, but my sense is it probably did. But what it did, I, I think, what I can say is what it did do and what it did show, it showed really well. Mm. And the whole, I think, building and framing the film around. The um the live aid Wembley concert was a fantastic idea because um uh, that was his moment. I mean that that mm. was a, a timeless moment yes. that having been privileged enough to have watched that live, uh, mm. you know, when that occurred and and I can still remember that um you know like Queen were coming on. I'm like oh yeah Queen that's right they were a pretty big band. I remember being Rhapsody. I wonder what they're going to be like because um it hadn't been that many years but they'd really been off the radar for mm. some time at least in Australia anyway and um um and they just. I mean, they just blew everybody and every, everything away. Um, and and yeah, it obviously, just um, they were a band built for Live Aid. I mean, that's um, that they they captured um, Stadium Rock. And and um, yeah, yeah, Russ and I have spent so much time talking about, um, hopefully, in really you know lo- loving ways about the, the the struggles that the Beatles had towards the end of their road tour, and you know, beautifully captured this year in another, I think, good film. Or was it last year? I think it was last year. Yeah, twenty seventeen for eight days a week, yeah. and um, just their frustration by the time they get to the Shea Stadium and yeah. all of that. Um, and Freddie and Queen were fortunate enough to have come not that much longer after. Maybe you know, this concert happens you know a decade later, mm. but we've the technology has now moved, and um, um, so the whole sound of the band and how how they've learned to use um, this crowd. And none better than than Freddie, who just has e- people eating out of his hand. I mean, mm-hmm. um, um, but so so yeah. So it was it, it, it just it, it was fantastic. And I think um, yeah, what what sums up the film for me was actually an experience a couple of days later. Um, we're outside my house. Um, you know, um, uh, one of my neighbours and uh, had, had a, a group of girlfriends sitting in a car um, playing. Um, you know. Um, 
Bohemian Rhapsody at sort of full power, which almost took me back to um, the, the the fabulous scene in um, yeah with the Bohemian Rhapsody Wayne's scene, World, your Wayne's, Wayne's World, World yeah. and it almost sort of took me out to something like yeah. that. But yeah. it, it was just great that like you know whatever it is now, you know, getting on to twenty odd years since um, mm. Freddie went, that um, it still captures he could still capture that imagination. These kids have never seen him live or will never get the chance to do that. Um, are only watching a, um, a biography of his, mm. but have obviously been totally captivated by it. And mm. um, yeah, mm. it was just a, it was an exquisite film. Well done to the people that put it together. I think, especially in the context, the little bit I know about the film notes was that it was such a struggle to bring it to um, the screen. They had they changed directors, they had to change the yeah. Um, yeah. the lead actor. It was going to yeah. be Sasha Cohen, and um, yeah, then right, um, yeah. there was. Uh, so you would almost think from the get go that this was just going to yeah. be a mess by now, yeah. but. Five years later, wow. Yeah, yeah they did yeah. a good job. So yeah. do you know uh, what is the meaning of the, the song, Bohemian Rhapsody? you know what it's all about? Um, well, no. I mean, I mean, you know, Fred, Freddie says that it's you know, really got you know, multiple songs. I mean, m- my take was always that, um, but I'm just wondering whether I predated or not, but if, if not about, maybe it's, it's initially about sort of drugs, but um, if you think through the lyrics in terms of um, um, the whole AIDS virus, mm. um, that... Just, just have a listen to the song through that mm, lens, yeah. and um, um, that was always sort of my sense about it. You know, um, well, you know, yeah, I mean, I have it on some authority that it's actually about Freddie's coming out. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. the person, the man he's killing I mean, at the start of yeah, that is the, the, old Freddie, the straight yeah. version of Freddie. Yeah, because apparently he just had a yeah. his first um, homosexual experience not long before he wrote the song. Yeah. Um, you know, I yeah. mean, apparently this is from a deathbed kind of oh, confession. And, yeah, and, and he wrote it over his yeah, boyfriend. He, yeah, I mean, as the film sort of plays out, he's got it in his mind. He's, he's tinkering with it for an yeah. extended period of time. Yeah. So he's got, um, yeah, he's obviously got a whole lot just of... Just got to get out, just got to get, get right out of yeah, here. You know, yeah, there's lots of yeah. lines in there yeah, absolutely. from that lens. Yeah, 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 look at yeah, it. yeah absolutely. And certainly, the, you know, mate, you, the AIDS thing is interesting, but that's way yeah, much um, later, too early, you know, too early um, before, yeah. before AIDS. Yeah, but um, yeah, maybe yeah. it's... Yeah, but whether it's been then sung that way by the time yeah. he gets the live aid and certainly by the time he gets to the end of his life, mm. but, you know... Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, good on you. Well, you know yeah. what's next up as far as um, film biopics of, of musicians... Elton John. That's right. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I, I now actually look forward to that much more. I mean, the you know, Bohemian Rhapsody has maybe set the bar yeah. and let's see where Dwight takes us. Yeah, you know? but, that's uh, it. You know, um, no, awesome, awesome. Yeah. So that further How do we sound? Are we good? Are we very good? I think so. Very I good. think sound levels are good. All right, well, let's continue with the clapping on then. Okay, so... Um... <laughs> oh, man, come on. You got it. The Swamp. Well, that's it for uh, a new Swamp podcast, really. Yep, that was 2018, guys. So stay tuned. It's been good to um, to reconnect and um, looking, looking forward to bigger and better things in 2018. Yeah.